We respectfully acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we work and learn, and pay respect to the First Nations peoples and their elders past, present, and future. We're recording on Gadigal land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Press Play, a euphony podcast and powered by Yamaha headphones. I'm Tiana Speeder, your host. Every Thursday, join me, my co-host Andrew Mast, and an epic lineup of artists and figures from around the industry to dive into all things music this week. From new releases to pop culture moments turning our heads right now, plus a chat with our feature artist, and this week it's someone unexpected, but a musical legend no less on the cusp of an exciting release. That's a little bit later this episode. Plus, we'll take a look back at this week in musical history and some other exciting sonic snippets kicking around right now. Want more tunes with that? Well, I have very good news for you. We will be adding all of the songs and artists we discuss in each Press Play episode into a nifty playlist so you can keep up to date as we go. Search for the Press Play mixtape on Spotify or head to our website, euphony.com.au to find and follow then smash that play button to rip into some of this week's best releases. Love music, press play. Let's dive straight into it with a look through some of the brand new albums dropping this week. To kick us off today on press play, let's take a look at this week in album and EP releases. It's been yet another huge week for new albums and EPs, both at home and abroad. But before I'm joined by my co-host, Andrew Mars, to take a closer look at some key releases this week, an album two years in the making, Soul Chameleon, Curtis Harding is set to unleash If Words Were Flowers this Friday, with the gorgeous album title lifted directly from a phrase his mother used to say. An album bursting with optimism and celebration, expect a kaleidoscope of vintage soul, R&B, hip-hop, and even some psych rock for good measure. Meanwhile, Southeast Queensland hardcore group Wild Heart are roaring to life this Friday with their long-awaited debut album, Global Crisis. But this album is not your average thematic adventure. Alongside their raging sounds is a dedication to telling stories of truth and unearthing injustice in their music. And Wild Heart are yet another incredible part of the burgeoning Indigenous presence in heavy music. And yet another huge Aussie release this week comes from Electropoppers Parcels with their new album Day Night out this Friday. It's the second album for Parcels who released their debut back in 2018 and it will also feature two self-contained albums, obviously the day and the night, and there's some string arrangements for good measure. But that's only scratching the surface. Let's dive a little deeper today. Please welcome Euphony's Head of Music Content and my amazing co-host Andrew Mast. Marcy, welcome back to another episode of Press Play. Good to be back and great to hear you uh, talking about the Parcels album. I'm very much looking forward to hearing that one. Oh, me too. There's so many goodies this week. And uh, first up this week, you can kind of feel that Christmas is in the air because the big names are really rolling out. We had Ed Sheeran last week. This week, an absolute icon because just like that, a new Diana Ross album has appeared And from my calculations, this is her first full set of new tunes since 2006. So it's a pretty big gap (laughs) between albums. And wow is all I can say. What an uplifting offering. The press material describes the return as a powerful, inclusive musical message of love and togetherness with its songs of happiness, appreciation and joy. And I am telling you, it delivers that in the bucket loads. I just want to say thank you the title and opening track also the first single feels like it could be lifted from that classic early 80s period Dana Ross my old piano coming out period it just lifts you right up there and maybe I've twirled around the lounge room a few times to it maybe not 
I hope, Elsa- I hope it's yes. I hope it's a yes there. <laughs> My neighbours hope it's not. <laughs> uh, elsewhere, there's club music, very up-to-date club music uh, with um, If the World Just Danced and Tomorrow. But, of course, there's flawless balladeering with songs like All Is Well and Just In Case. It's hard to believe this is recorded in her home studio with Jack Antonoff, of course, on some of the production. Ross's voice is in fine form and most notably on the dramatic highlight Count On Me, that quiet control, fully aware of its emotional power. You know, this is, I hate to say, it is classic Diana Ross. Oh, but it's the best way to put it. I mean, to say you're at album number 25 and to be working alongside such an array of people, I mean, having people like Jack Antonoff alone on this, you know, with such an icon and there's so many feel-good anthems of 2021 throughout it. So I'm very here for it and I love a classic Diana Ross. What's not to love, Marcy? Exactly. (laughs) Well, Marcy, I'm keeping it local for a lot of my albums today. And first up, I'm chatting about the new album, or from Pluto Jones, which is coming out this week. I am still kicking myself. I'm missing Pluto Jones live in action when he was playing once in Sydney many years ago. If you haven't already heard the infuriatingly catchy and infuriatingly difficult to pronounce track, his Dang on Naja Langriro. Do it. Um, the name is bonkers, but the track is a cracker. And that track is actually eight years old now. It's 2021 and Pluto Jones has smashed it out of the park once again with this second studio album, or which is coming out via Birds Road Records. If you like woozy melodics and hypnotic vocals, tracks like New Morning High will definitely lure you in with some shimmering pianos and a bit of vampire weekend-esque soft magic, dare I say. But it's not all laid back whimsy. There's also some nostalgic pop kicking around with another difficult to pronounce song title, or at least for me, Rumspringer, another insanely dynamic outing. Here's I, I, I love this one, <laughs> Rumspringer. I, I know of this because I watched a documentary about it uh, back in 2002 and I thought that's interesting that he's uh, done a song about the Amish community and how they have a year out of their uh, community. And it turns out he watched the same documentary as me and uh, was influenced, inspired to uh, write this song and a highlight song, really, really nice song too. Absolutely. And I love that you both have got it. You've both got extremely good taste. And I feel like it's quite fitting that an album about an Amish tradition has been described by NME as electrifying. So it's quite a nice contrast there that Pluto Jones is certainly not a new face on the scene. Keen listeners may also recognise his vocals via his tenure with indie rockers Hey Geronimo as well. But Awe is a massive glow up. I know Pluto Jones is going to do great things with this. And I know Pluto technically isn't a standard planet anymore, but this album will kick you into a celestial high, Marcy. (laughs) I see what you did there. Um, (laughs) I've always felt like Pluto was ahead of his time when he emerged in 2011. And I feel like now that the world's got a taste for dream pop, it's like uh, we've caught up to his what he was doing with production and he hopefully finally this one puts him in the right place at the right time because uh, yeah it's it's just a it's just a great sound that he's capturing 100 percent. now Marcy, what else have you got today well i'm taking a look at nathaniel rateliff and the night sweats the future now this is nathaniel's third album with the night sweats and if you feel like huh, that doesn't sound like as many albums of i remember him putting out he's also had four solo albums so they're not to be confused uh his work solo is completely different from the work he does with the night sweats uh this one's co-produced by bradley cook who has worked with one of my absolute faves kevin morby and overall this really highlights a rate list versatility from the Dylan S title track through the country soul of Face Down in the Moment, you also get served Americana, folk, they even dabble in a bit of blue beat. It's already garnered a four-star review from Mojo and an eight out of ten from Uncut. There are comparisons to Peak Town Motown, big call, and yeah. phrases like instant classic being bandied about. Yeah. I think I used classic earlier too, so maybe we won't overuse that we one. We heard it much. there first, though. You were the first. Yeah. <laughs> and you can hear why he's getting these rave reviews in my personal highlight, The Single Love Don't, which closes the album. It is an absolute storm of a track where Nate's growl just lets loose because he's, he's controlled it a bit for a lot of the album. Here he lets loose over wild brass and a stomping beat. Hey, mama, can't stand around and sing. 
I'd like to think that this one might be his big breakout that he, he requires here in Australia. Considering our love affair with the Teskey brothers, surely this similarly cross-root genre set is ready to ready to take on um, the, the Australian audience. I know he's a popular one at Blues Fest and he, he does tour here. Um, and just have to point out as a bonus for this album, you have Jenny Lewis on backing vocals. So that's something worth listening out for as well. Oh, absolutely divine. And like, you know me, Marcy, I don't always love the country side of things, but the tasty Americana and vintage flavors, I am so here for it with this. Like this is a band and an album that makes me want to hit up a bar, neck some whiskey, hit the dance floor and some retro movie. And there's so much polish and so many feels on this album. And Nathaniel Rayleigh's voice is one that can rattle bones in the most sublime fashion, plain and simple. Like it's just sensational. That that is such a good way to put it. That is so true. And and as good as the the band are, his voice is the star of this. Let, let's be honest. Yeah, I'm with you there. And yeah, like I need an excuse to drink whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> but Master, before we launch into our feature album, which I cannot wait for for so many reasons, but obviously another one I'm excited about before that, I've got another Aussie gem I've been really getting into this week. It's the brand new EP Blood from Perth indie pop team, The Money War. And oh, yes. this is another band I stumbled upon a few years back when they released um, their song Recall back in 2016. And what a great song oh, it was. My God, yeah. I could not stop that playing in my head. And I've been perpetually intrigued since then. And their swooning brand of indie is in full flight on this new EP. Um, you see it most definitively, obviously, I think, on the title track of the same name, obviously, Blood. We break the chain. We get pure honey in the vocal department and in fact Backseat Mafia also described the vocals as velvet gold so between velvet and honey I think you kind of get the drift here of what we're looking at vocally but what I love is that their tracks are full of smoky moments bittersweet thematics and just what the only way I can describe it is just effortless arrangements which is sounds like a throwaway thing but it's just so effortless but there's obviously a lot of work put into it and it's that pure complexity that I think you know really comes through and it's also a bit cute because Dylan and Carmen, a.k.a. the duo behind The Money War, also recently became parents. So there's plenty of new life experiences on offer with this new release from the pair. So I'm very excited about Blood coming out. I did not know that. I feel like I've watched this band grow up in public. They emerged from WA back in 2017 and their track Stars, I I swear, and I have evidence of this, I had it as one of my favourite tracks of the year when it came out. And they've shown that they can do so many different genres and it's great to hear what they've done with Blood. Uh, but they've consistently released music in that whole period. And they've some, come so close to breakout success. And again, I, probably two years off from COVID of being able to play live has not helped bands at this, at this level. And I really hope that with some live music back on, this coming out, I really hope this is the moment that Money War people can see how good they are and they can just get get that extra step. So yeah, very, very happy to see them doing this. Me too. And more songs to get stuck in my head, which is just what I need. So I can look like a crazy woman walking around singing songs, but I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> it's great. Well, Masti, it is of course time for our feature album that we will both be discussing today, but I feel like today's album was literally made to be spoken about by you. So please take it away. I'll get to that again. This is that one where you can just sniff Christmas in the air when the releases get as big as this. And they do not get much bigger than this. Security-wise, this one is wrapped up tighter than a Marvel movie script. Uh, Reviews are actually embargoed until release day. uh, But because we're out here on Thursday, we're going to have a bit of a preview of what is Abba's Voyage. So we'll just talk about what we do know and what we have heard of it so far. But first up, and this is what Tiana was hinting at, a confession. I believe ABBA are not only the greatest gift to music, but the greatest gift to humanity. This, this is my belief. They're a big part of my life. As a kid, I stood outside the Melbourne Town Hall as this Swedish quartet waved at the masses from the balcony. I pressed against a wire fence to watch them play that night at my music bowl. And... 
Well, there's that. So this is where this very biased opinion is coming from. Uh, you say biased, have, I say educated, but, you know, <laughs> potato, there, potato. There may have been a tear or two on September 2nd when nine seconds into their first recording in 40 years, I heard Frida's voice singing new material. Was I a blubbering mess 48 seconds later when the trademark layered vocals kicked in? Who knows? We may have to watch a replay video to prove it one way or another. That song, this album's first single, I Still Have Faith in You, is an epic piano-driven ballad. I still have faith in you. It stands above the crazy things we did. It all comes been favourably compared to one of the band's most famous songs, The Winner Takes It All. I think that's a fair comparison. The video has garnered 25 million views in two months since it's released. It's charted around the world and has over 16 million plays on Spotify. Strangely, even bigger was the other track released on the same day called Don't Let Me Down, a more up-tempo number. Sounded like it could come from ABBA's later period, say the Super Trooper or the Visitors album, with Anna on lead vocals this time. Uh, this became the band's first number one in their home country since 1978. That is a long gap. Jesus. <laughs> going back <laughs> Now, next up, and most recently, we got Just a Notion. Now, for us ABBA fans slash stands, we know this song well already. It's been kicking around for years. It was written in 1978. A bit of it surfaced in 1994 as part of a medley called ABBA Undeleted. It was originally meant for the Voulez-Vous album but was dropped. Bjorn in recent interviews claims he can't remember why, but I'm pretty sure it's because it sounded too dated even by their standards. Uh, it sounded more like something from an early ABBA recording that could have been on the Ring Ring or Waterloo albums and not like the sophisticated disco they were pursuing on Voulez-Vous. And I must admit, I still have trouble with the big bandish schlager sing-along vibe of the opening bars, but, and please don't turn on me, ABBA fans, um, <laughs> I love it, but I'm back in the minute the spotlight vocal kicks in at 40 seconds and you have an ABBA classic on your head. I've just said classic again. I promised I wouldn't. <laughs> there it's, it's apt. It's very apt when we're talking about ABBA. Now, while Justin Notion sounds of a specific period, the other two tracks have more of a timeless quality about them. And it's interesting that Bjorn has gone out of his way to say that this album was recorded trained blind in that, and I'm going to paraphrase The Guardian here, they deliberately ignored whatever developments have taken place in pop over the years since the band's initial retirement. They specifically, uh, in one interview, said, we can't do what Kanye's doing, you know, <laughs> so... They just wanted to make it sound like ABBA. So we know there are seven more tracks on Voyage. We know one is a Christmas song and we know one has a dodgy title, Keep an Eye on Dan. Now, ABBA have had a career-long obsession with people's names in song titles. There was me and Bobby and Bobby's brothers, Hey, Hey, Helen, Fernando, Elaine, Elaine, Elaine. I could keep going. So it'll be interesting to see how this one turns out. But we suspect there is also another 1978 reject in the form of Bumblebee. It also appeared on ABBA Undeleted and was like the Bee Gees meets the Beatles, uh, a straight-up pop song, but sung by Benny and Bjorn in its demo form. So I'll be very intrigued to see whether they let the fellas have a track on the album. They usually let them have one track per album. Uh, and it works. It really, really works. Um, they did kind of reuse it later in Chess, a musical they wrote many, many decades ago, and it formed the basis of the show's biggest hit, I Know Him So Well. So I'm pretty sure they wouldn't have written two songs called Bumblebee. So I'm, I'm fairly certain it's the old uh, 1978 one. Look, this album broke pre-order records in the UK, and no doubt it's going to break my heart. <laughs> Because <laughs> this is a day that I never in my wildest imagination thought would ever happen. So I'm very excited and I probably should stop there or I could go on for days. No, I think that's what's so exciting to see like actual ABBA fans excited about this because obviously I was a little bit later to the party, but ABBA were just a band that you just knew. Like you knew the songs before you even knew anything about them. And what I love with the album is the shameless nostalgia. And I don't use shameless as a dig. Like I think it's really, really beautiful like they've brought all these moments and if anyone's allowed to wax lyrical about good friends 
alongside some trademark Swedish pop. ABBA are the ones that are going to take that crown. And I like that you brought up that Kanye quote because I also read Benny come out publicly at a conference in London earlier this year saying, we're not competing with Drake and all those other guys. And I love that they're kind of saying, you know, we are not trying to be anyone but ourselves. I think a lot of times fans lament when a band changed too much or stay stagnant, but ABBA have come out and basically declared with this album, we are ABBA, end of story. Like that's all there is and that's all that really needs to happen with them. And I love the perk on all of the tracks. I'm very intimidated to really dissect a lot of the songs too much in your presence, but I still have faith in you is outrageously charming. I mean, it's not my usual fare, but what I love is you hear these harmonies that we all know and love, but they've also grown. Like you hear the growth and you hear that this is a band that aren't the same band they were in the seventies, but it's still got that incredible charm to it. Like, will I blast this on a road trip or when my mates pop by for a drink? Probably not, but I don't think that's what this album is about. This is a moment in history from an already historic band. And I think Voyage is something that should be respected regardless of whether you're a fan or not. So, um, yeah, I really, really liked it. I think saying Shameless Nostalgia really nails it. Um, this was meant to come out two years ago. It was meant to be a five-track EP. It just expanded and expanded over time. And the fact that it's uh, landed now after COVID when all we want is nostalgia at this point and feeling good, I think it's probably for the best that it's happened two years later than it was meant to. And uh, I look forward to uh, watching this uh, give us a Christmas hit as well. I can't wait to hear what that sounds like. I know, bring on Christmas. And I think The Guardian summed it up for me best, saying they transform gushy ballads, folk excursions and pearlescent disco bangers into profound statements. Like, if that doesn't get you listening, I don't know what will, Masty. <laughs> well, it's been a huge week. I'm so excited we got to chat about that one, Masty. Thank you for your picks. I shall bid a brief farewell to you, but you will be back a little bit later for our singled out segment. Now, before we close out our album releases segment for today, I am joined now by our amazing guest reviewer for this week. So Safina Frimoli, if the name sounds familiar, that's because it definitely is. So Safina is an award-winning music industry powerhouse a music writer, content producer, publicist, podcast host. She hosts the podcast Hit Different if you haven't already listened to it. So, Safina, you're an extremely busy human. Thank you for joining me on Press Play today. Thank you for having me. That is uh, too much of an overwhelming introduction, but I'll take it. Um, I stand by it. Thank you so much for having me. It's, It's a real treat to be listening to some new music and to be chopping it up. Yay. Well, we are currently chatting all things new albums and EPs on Press Play right now. So, Safina, what release are you taking a closer look at with us today? Yeah, so we're taking a look at the Blossom EP, which is the latest release from Keto. And I'm super, I was super keen to check this one out because it's a little outside of my normal wheelhouse, but that's, you know, that's that's a big part about why I, I got into review, you know, reviewing music and 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 working as a music writer in the first place is to sort of broaden my horizons and, and discover new things. So it's been really cool to, to have a listen to this one and to, to see what it's been all about. If you've been following Kudo's journey until this point, a lot of it probably isn't surprising because the talent's always been there, right? But as a jump off point for a lot of people and you know, for someone like me, um, I feel like this, this EP is super cohesive um the, the the textures and and the the way that the sonics have been produced and weaved together um coupled with the different collaborations and the different voices that Keto's incorporated it's it's like a record that you you'd think on paper shouldn't sound as good as it does and I don't mean that in like any shady way but it's just like there's so much happening it's so so much of a pleasant surprise that it sounds so finessed and and so uh well put together but I I feel like a lot of that is just down to the way that Keto sees music and the way that um Keto can just uh interpret and you know take a central vision and, uh, and represent it in, in such a, you know, dynamic and multifaceted way. I think it's, I think it's great. Yeah. I think I like that you say cohesive because I think in the wrong hands, sometimes like the most, amb- you know, the best laid plans, the most ambitious plans don't always go to plan, but in yeah. this one, it works. You're completely right. And I would love to know, like, is there a particular highlight or standout moment for you on this EP? 
totally. Um, what I love about this record um, is the, again, just the, the different voices that we have on here. Um, for, for me, the standouts were recap. Locked on you, which I think that's the one that has broods on it. And I think Skin and Bones, the Winona Oak one, is really dope too. But recap in particular, I love the fact that Kido's worked with both Channel Trace and Van Jess. I feel like, I mean, they're both popular artists, but I still feel like an artist like Van Jess, they're very much slept on still by a lot of people. And I, I really hope that records like this can be as beneficial for the guest artists as they can be for for the producer and um, the, the person sort of driving the ship or driving the car um, as a way for Australian fans or just, you know, any new music fans to have a look at their catalogues too. Um, I feel like the, the production across those three tracks in particular is just so cool. It um it really hones in on Keto's talents. I feel like they they can each stand really well independently of each other, but when you listen to them consecutively, it all makes sense, which I guess goes back to what we were saying before, that real cohesive sound. Um colour and and vibrancy. Um I, I just yeah, I really dig it. Like the, the bass lines and the synth work and and just the way everything's been arranged around, again, around these fabulous guest presences is uh, it's something that's super talented, something that I, you know, I, I like to feel like I can get nerdy over without having any sort of musical talent myself. But uh, yeah, as a music fan, it's uh, it, it's been a really cool dive. Yeah, that's awesome. I love to, it is outside my wheelhouse as well, but the fact that we have both enjoyed it this much, I mean, that totally. it's amazing that. that it already slices through and shows how much of an impact this is going to have. I feel like it's going to be a really big watershed moment for her and I can't wait to see what yeah. happens following the release. Oh, me too. It's a fab choice to close out our album choices <laughs> for the moment and it's a brilliant EP. I feel like get us all in the mood for the weekend as well. Definitely. So, so Safina, thank you for joining Press Play today and of for course. everyone listening with all our featured albums and tracks in today's episode you can catch all of the action via our press play mixtape you can listen to all the artists we touched on right on spotify or head to euphony.com.au to follow along but for now on press play it's time for our artist feature segment For our artist feature segment here on Press Play today, we're stepping off the beaten path to chat with an esteemed musical icon who is currently on the brink of an exciting release here down under. With next week marking the long-awaited Aussie cinematic release of the 25th James Bond film No Time to Die, today we spend a moment with the man behind the No Time to Die soundtrack, Mr. Hans Zimmer. With the impending 007 outing, the extremely long road from inception to release was not without its own unique hurdles. Something Mr. Hans Zimmer himself is all too familiar with. Stepping into the project early last year, just before the COVID pandemic hit, and it also marked the first time in a Bond series history that a composer had stepped in during post-production. But the end result for the film soundtrack is a stunning combination of Zimmer's trademark flourish and some good old-fashioned Bond charm, thanks in part, as Hans Zimmer himself explained to me earlier, to his experience working on Christopher Nolan's Batman trilogy and bringing Daniel Craig in deeper on proceedings. What happens with these projects is, is, I mean, these particular projects, and I have some experience of this, a little bit of experience of of this, um, having done, you know, the, the the three Batman movies, that you realize it's not just three movies. It's like, in, in my case, it was 12 years of my life. In Daniel's case, it's I think it's 16 years of his life. So um, it, and I think in Barbara's case, Barbara and Michael's case, it's been it's been their whole life. Um, so 
you've got to show some respect. And so, of, of course, I mean, I very much invited my uh, invited Daniel in to, to, to be part of the process. Um, not just because I wanted to be respectful of what he, of the work and the, the you know the seconds of his life that had taken away, but if there's a, is there anybody who knows this character better than the man who is actually playing the character? So that was an imp- that was an important part of of the whole process for me. For a Hollywood veteran like Hans Zimmer, having the No Time to Die soundtrack in his hands not only meant he would shape the motifs and themes around the long-established fictional world. It also meant having the esteemed privilege of tapping the artist who would join the coveted ranks of James Bond theme performers, including Shirley Bassey, Adele, Duran Duran, Tom Jones, and so many others. And as he revealed to me in our chat, it was in unexpected places that the eventual theme song was found. It was quite an adventure, you know. Then, then uh, you know, a friend of mine pointed me in the direction of a very quiet and very humble and very unbond-like song by an artist called Billie Eilish and her brother Phineas. And, um, you know, because what happens on a Bond movie, everybody wants to get their song in. Everybody wants to be the person that has the Bond song. So there's a pile of songs, you know, for me to just have a listen to. And 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 I just, I just loved what Billie and Phineas were doing. And at first, you know, people were sort of going, but, but hang on a second. It's got nothing to do with this film. I'm going, of course it has nothing to do with this film. They haven't seen this film. Get them on a plane. Get them over here. So um, to me, it feels like I said the words and they were here. Do you mean it's like, you know, it's like it's it's. they must have gotten a ticket that day. They must have not even packed a toothbrush. They they were in the studio with with us and... um, and then just being brilliant. And so it became this sort of really, this like, like because Barbara and his, her, her brother Michael being the producers and, and sort of being the guardian of Bond, you know, and it felt very much like a family working together and being invited into this family environment. There is a whole lot more to the story and to Hans Zimmer in general. And to catch the whole chat, you can also tune into tomorrow's episode of my other podcast, the Green Room with Tiana Speter, where we'll unpack more Bond and more behind-the-scenes stories from the insanely talented Hans Zimmer. But before we move on to our Rewind and Reissue segment and our viral roundup here on Press Play, to get us all in the mood for this hotly anticipated release of No Time to Die in Aussie cinemas next week, here's a snippet of Billie Eilish's Grammy award-winning theme song titled, of course, No Time to Die. Speeder is your ultimate access all areas pass. Want to go beyond the press release and really get to know some of your fave celebs from the world of music, acting, and comedy? Subscribe now to catch all the latest episodes. You can find us at euphony.com.au, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you usually get your podcasts. Now, before Press Play takes a look back at this week in musical history, let's take a brief look at some musical bits and bobs turning heads in the viral slash pop culture realms right now. Last week brought the news that actual superstar Adele had once again broken the digital musical landscape by smashing streaming records for her new track, Easy On Me. And it seems that songs inspired by divorce continue to whip fans into a frenzy, but it's not always recent tracks. As with most TikTok viral trends, no one ever seems quite sure how or why certain songs or artists from at times decades ago are picked up and embraced by users on the app. And for California group The Mountain Goats, despite forming back in 1991, the group have increasingly found themselves to be TikTok's new favourite indie darlings of late, with their heart wrencher and bona fide divorce anthem No Children officially going nuclear this month on the app. There is no sign of land You are coming down with me Hand in unlovable hand 
hope you die I hope we both die For nearly two decades since No Children first released, the increased interest in the tune has since made it the Mountain Goat's most played song on Spotify, with over 27 million streams so far clocking up for that track alone. Over on TikTok, videos range with everything from reaction videos for those hearing the track for the first time, or the first time in literally decades, to a dance challenge, including some pets and an insanely cute guinea pig one in particular. Definitely give that one a look if you haven't seen it. It will make your day a million times better. What's entirely fascinating about this uptake of the mountain goats isn't so much the virality of the track. We all know bizarre memes and ideas can take off like viral wildfire at the drop of a hat on TikTok. But it's pretty heartwarming to see a band that used to DIY record their material occasionally write lyrics about Dungeons and Dragons and they've also released 20 albums already in their career and the fact that they're finding a second life with a whole new generation well it's quite heartwarming even if it leaves the older generation smugly confirming they knew the band before TikTok came to class. It just goes to show no song album or artist is safe from becoming an overnight TikTok star and as to whether we'll get another Mountain Goat song in the near future That's currently anyone's guess, but hats off to frontman John for publicly acknowledging the love while also confirming he's not going to do the Steve Buscemi thing with a skateboard and get in on the TikTok action anytime soon. And if you don't get that Steve Buscemi reference, then you're urgently in need of a 30 Rock Binge stat. And speaking of throwbacks... From viral moments right now to this week in musical history and some exciting new reissues, I'm joined once again by the host of Rewind with Steve Bell and co-founder and co-owner of Sonic Sherpa Records. It is, of course, Steve Bell. Belly, welcome back to Press Play. Hey, Jenna, how are you? I'm good. It's good to have you back here again. It feels like no time has passed since we last spoke, but a lot (laughs) has happened in reissues and in the general musical history. So I'm excited to see what you've got for us today. All right, well, let's dive in. First of all, on this day in 2004, it struck me as really strange that, do you know, do you remember Bright Eyes? I do. Oh, my God, I do, yes. Yeah, I used High to love them. vibes for me, yes. Indie folk, emo sort of stuff. They went to number one and number two on the American singles charts with Lua and Take It Easy, Love Nothing, which is just incredible to me. Even though I was a fan and I saw them a heap of times, it just... I never thought they were going to be a band that topped the charts. with And one and two, that's so rarely happened ever. That is massive. That actually blows my mind and I really like it though. How yeah, because cool. they were putting out those concurrent albums uh, early in 2005. Uh, I'm Wide Awake, It's Morning and Digital Ash and a Digital Urn. And these were the lead singles and little EPs. I remember working at Skinny's at the time and we were selling them hand over fist. But yeah, just that Brado's had number one and number two on the charts is crazy to me. But that's not where we're going to stop. 1991, go back a little bit further, My Bloody Valentine put out Loveless. is one of the great albums of all time it's a shoegaze masterpiece to many it's the best album of all time um and it's a fascinating story too it came out on alan mcgee's creation records it took two and a half years to make uh, and not just slaving away that entire time they they worked in 19 studios it was self-produced but they churned through numerous engineers and it's rumored to have cost 250,000 pounds which is equivalent to about half a million pounds in today's money. And this is an indie label. It essentially bankrupted creation, although some people dispute that, but it really did. Um, they were kicked off the label not long after. McGee and the front man, Kevin Shields, were just fighting. Um, it just it went to number 24 in the UK. It didn't chart anywhere else at all in the world, although it got a vinyl reissue earlier this year and they went crazy. It went gangbusters. It went to number seven in the UK, number six in Australia. Pitchfork had it as the best shoegaze album of all time and the second best album of the 90s. The Irish Times had it as the best Irish album of all time. Pace Magazine has it number two as the best dream pop album of all time. 
it's influenced so many bands and it still sounds amazing today despite its weird genesis. So, yeah, I can't believe it's 30 years ago today that came out. It's wild that it's been 30 years and I'm still blown away by the ongoing adoration. Like at the time, obviously, it didn't really resonate as much as it has later in its life, but what it did for whatever you want to call it, the shoegaze dream pop subculture and just for the band in general and the tumultuous road, I've read many versions of that story of the bankruptcy, but yeah, I think you kind of can see that this was a big, a big turning point in everyone's career. Yeah, they didn't put out another album for over 20 years after that, so I think that speaks volumes, really. <laughs> 100% can't argue with that, can you? <laughs> Happy birthday, Loveless. Yes, um, incredible album. There's some really cool reissues this week. The big one that everyone's really excited about is Radiohead, Kid Amnesia, which is a sort of innovative one in terms of it. They're reissuing both Kid A from 2000 and its follow-up Amnesiac from 2001. Uh, and this reissue comes with a third disc, Kid Amnesia, unreleased material, alternative versions, B-sides, what have you. Uh, there's an indie exclusive red vinyl version, very limited. Uh, lots of shops have sold out already on pre-order. So if you're keen on that, best get hunting because it's not going to last very long. Uh, Garbage, their third album, Beautiful Garbage, came out in 2001. Um, it was a good, it featured androgyny, breaking up the girls, shut your mouth. It went to number one here in Australia. There's always a strong market for garbage. Um, number six in the UK, number 13 in the States. It's getting reissued, numerous versions, all with newly remastered audio. There's a white double vinyl. There's a three LP deluxe version with B-sides and rarities. There's a few different choices there. bit more recent, the Black Keys El Camino, uh, their collaboration with Danger Mouse from 2011. That's the one that smashed the blues duo right into the mainstream, basically because of that Lonely Boy song everyone loved. Um, it went number three here, number six in the UK, number two in the States. Won them a heap of Grammys. Now there's a three LP expanded version or a five LP super deluxe version. That seems like a lot of El Camino. Um, but yeah, I know people are going to love that one. I heard there was an air freshener coming out with that one too. Am I wrong? <laughs> there's so many um, bonus things. That's probably in that super deluxe version. It's yeah. just got so Not sure if I need it, but it's nice to know. <laughs> Someone will love it. And just quickly, Steve Earle, he's one of my heroes. Um, he's, just all oh, new west have just released seven or eight of his albums today on colored vinyl but basically all his um output from about the last 15 years or so there's some cracking records in there so yeah check it out fire out a huge week i feel like so many of my high school staples and beyond are all kicking around this week so i'm enjoying it immensely it's going to be an interesting time <laughs> for me and my wallet as per usual so thank you for the roundup belly and Obviously, for anyone wanting to also catch more amazing musical history in the ears, you can, of course, catch the latest season of Rewind with Steve Bell himself with a five-part dive into something for Kate's album from 2001, Echolalia. There's a whole bunch of other albums kicking around on Rewind as well. So definitely give it a whirl. Belly, a pleasure as always, and I will catch you next time. Look forward to it. You have a good one. Thanks, Belly. Well, before things come to a close on Press Play today, it's time now for a little lightning look at some of the incredible new singles that are dropping or have already dropped this week. It's time, of course, now for Singled Out. Andrew Mast joining me here once again. Masty, what singles have got you popping off this week? Well, uh, I'm going to start with Little Sims and I Love You, I Hate You. Yeah, you know, it's been a great year for the UK rapper Little Sims. Her fourth album, Sometimes I Might Be an Introvert, has been her biggest to date, top 40 in Australia even, and she played a standout set at the Virtual Splendor, one of my favourites on the day. Now, I know you emphasise new singles, so I might be cheating with this one. She's actually dropped a video for a track that first serviced back in July. And I'm bringing it up because it's a very emotional cut for Little Sims, uh, being about her absent father and a song that she's addressed as being difficult for her to write. But the video brings to life the song's raw lyrics and I'm really glad she's given us this opportunity to revisit what is both a funky and beautiful arrangement, those strings, the choral singing. It's like a modern mini Ripperton moment for me. 
Yeah, no, that definitely counts. It's new and this is something really important. I think stuff like this is important to really bring to the surface. Like so many of us have a strange relationships and emotional dissonance surrounding our parents. And while it isn't easy, I do love how she tackled it in the clip and simultaneously what an incredible song as well. Like it just dovetails so perfectly together. And it's, it's you always feel guilty for it's so moving but so funky. <laughs> it, it's, Absolutely, it's, I know. It's like, yeah, I shouldn't be enjoying it, but I am. But, you know, sometimes that's how life is as well. So I'm into it. Back in Australia, we've got dorsal fins, fins, and their new track, Sugar. Sugar. Now, it's been a while, but Melbourne's dorsal fins are definitely back. I think it's been four years by my calculations um, since they went on hiatus. And honestly, when a band says they're going on hiatus, it usually means they have quietly split. But here they are, they're actually back. They're back as a trio and what a song. And I've got to confess, every time I play it, I end up listening to it multiple times. It's just pure pop bliss, the, the layered vocals, the layered synth and that extremely relaxed tempo, and I saw that they're describing it as love puddle funk. I mean, yes, please. Oh, I, yeah, how could you not love it? Like, it's as addictive as its name, and I'm beyond excited they're back. I actually have um, a 2015 album of theirs, Mine Renovation on Vinyl, when I was going through my vinyl collection, and it's also what I liked about it when you actually dive into the lyrics. Like, it's a nice little funk pop hybrid, but it also serves to remind us to stop using social media and, you know, take a little step back, but... Marcy, unfortunately, social media and online shopping and all of those things they're kind of saying not to do are my 2021 lockdown staples. <laughs> but now is the time. No more sugary escapism for me. So hopefully this will be what puts me in the right path. It, but dangerously, everything in the video for sugar, I just want to eat. It's it's not want, it's too tempting it. for a sweet tooth. <laughs> now back in the UK, there's a new one by Fire Dread called Anyway, Do It. Now, I know very little about this UK performer. The track was recommended to me by someone who stumbled across it on a Pitchfork playlist. Hailing from London, this is a stunning calling card from a studio newcomer. They obviously have a lot of DJ experience because these are precision-made beats by someone who definitely knows how to read a dance floor. Dubby, gritty, catchy. I honestly cannot wait to find out more about Fire Dread. Yeah, an absolute enigma and an absolute straight fire track. Genuinely, no pun intended. This one is, again, not my regular fare, but that hypnotic, almost 90s-esque percussion in that intro. Well, very 90s, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, very, very 90s. I'm glad you mentioned that because it took me back, took me back to some dance floors long ago. Hell yes. Now, finally, this one is a new one from Paul Kelly called Christmas. Now, Paul, Kelly and Christmas are a perfect match thanks to his seasonal anthem, How to Make Gravy. This year, we're going to get a full Christmas album and this week, we get the first track from it. Christmas is a straight-up 60s guitar throwback with amazing harmonies that I'm told involve one of my all-time favourites, Billy Miller, one-time front person of 70s rock band The Ferrets. Now, you'll find um, their vinyl amongst my collection And they used to do great harmonies, so that's no surprise there. But this track itself would not sound out of place on a Monkees album. And this is high praise from me. I'm a big Monkees fan. And more importantly, not a jingle bell in earshot. Now, I'm told the album is a double set, complete with lots of collabs. I think we're going to hear from people like Marlon Williams, Casey Chambers, Emma Donovan and more. Are you looking forward to this one, Under the Tree, Tiana? Oh, Marcy, you know what? Anytime a Christmas album is not overtly Christmassy, I'm very on board with it. And look, the Christmas decorations are already out in the shops. 
I mean, it's got a bit of classic rock as well, so it's definitely going to hook me. I think this may be what's going to get me keen on Christmas in 2021. It's going to get me there. And But the question is, will it unseat gravy as the official Aussie Christmas anthem? Is this the new Paul Kelly Whoa. Christmas anthem? We'll have to oh, find yeah. out. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot to look forward to and more Christmassy goodness to come from Paul Kelly. But some huge tunes for us this week, Marcy. What an amazing week of music all round. And for anyone who wants to grab a listen to any of these singles in full, as well as any of the other albums and releases we've touched on so far today in Press Play, be sure to check out our Press Play mixtape on Spotify. But Marcy, thank you for your picks and let's do it all again next week. That's it from Press Play today. And as I have constantly mentioned throughout the episode, if you're keen to check out some of the releases we've had a dive into today, you can follow along with the Press Play mixtape kicking around on Spotify. Every week we'll be updating it to add in the new releases we touch on every episode. Just search Press Play mixtape on Spotify or head to euphony.com.au to find it directly on our homepage there. A large thank you to my co-host, Andrew Mast, for joining me once again today, as well as our guest reviewer, Sosefina. You can check out more of her amazing work. All of her links are in our show notes. And as always, a big thank you to resident musical history expert, Steve Bell. You can check out more of Belly's work and his amazing record store also in our show notes. And of course, a huge giant thank you to our guest artist, Hans Zimmer. Check out his latest work when James Bond number 25, No Time to Die, drops in Aussie cinemas next week. And be sure to check out the new episode of The Green Room tomorrow that dives a bit deeper into the Hans Zimmer psyche. You can follow all the Press Play fun on Instagram at Press Play Oz. That's O-Z for Oz. Jump on there, give us a follow, say hi. And to catch up on all Press Play episodes, plus a bunch of other fun podcasts in the Euphony suite, head on over to euphony.com.au or alternatively, you can find all our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. We are a brand new podcast and we need you to help us spread the word and share the love. Tell a friend, tell your mum. I've already told my mum, so I'm off the hook there, but all the reviews, follows, likes, subscribes, and or forcing your friends to listen to the podcast in your car is extremely welcome. And drop us a line to let us know what you're listening to, or maybe you've got a new release of your own on the horizon. Hit up our Instagram or euphony.com.au to get in touch. Love music, press play. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you next week. Press Play is a Euphony podcast created by Craig Trewick, produced by Tiana Speeder and Andrew Mast. Assistant producer Henry Gibson, hosted by Tiana Speeder. Recorded, edited and engineered by Zig Parker. Music by Zig Parker. For more information about this episode, go to euphony.com.au. For more Euphony podcasts, visit our website, Spotify, Apple, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.